What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had quite possibly my favorite person in powerlifting right now, one of the best powerlifters in the world, Joe Sullivan on the show. He gave us a terrific interview, over 60 minutes, and it was insightful, entertaining, funny, really a perfect interview that I really, really enjoyed doing. He was a fan-requested interview, but I'm a fan of him, so I was probably going to try to interview him anyway, even if he wasn't fan-requested. Terrific interview with him. We also are going to get a little into the tribute and some of the other meets that took place over the weekend. Not going to dive too deep on it because we are going to have a bonus episode of Two White Lights covering the tribute and possibly a special guest as well. So you're getting two episodes this week. A lot of reasons to be happy at the start of your Monday. But, of course, before we get into Two White Lights, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Boys and girls, visit Rivalus.net. Get 15% off of branched amino acids, creatine, pre-workout protein powder, merchandise. You want it, you got it, 15% off. If you use promo code ANGELO15, get 15% off, save some money. And also, speaking of Rivalus, before we get into the show, I want to make a shout-out to a big fan of the show, big fan of Two White Lights, Mr. Kevin Rodriguez. Brother, I just want to let you know that I believe you can stay strong. I believe you can get through anything you're going through right now. Keep your head up and be on the lookout because I am going to personally send to you a nice care package from Rivalus. Hit me up in the DMs. Tell me what you want, and I will supply it for you, my man. Love you. Thank you for the support, and thank you for listening to the show. And without further ado, here is Two White Lights. Monday, August 5th. I am riding solo today, but no need to worry because we got a really good interview with Joe Sullivan coming right up. We're not even going to go through our beginning segments. We're just going to get right into the interview because it was over 60 minutes. I alluded to it at the beginning of the episode, and it was a great interview I learned a lot. I know you guys are going to learn a lot. I was also just enjoying talking to him. It was just a fun, fun conversation, and it it was terrific, and I don't have any other adjectives to describe it. So here he is, Joe Sullivan. And as promised, this man was a fan-requested interview, but I was going to still have him on the show regardless because I fucking love the guy. One of my favorite people in powerlifting, one of the best 220-pound lifters in the world, Joe Sullivan via Skype. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How, how have you been? How's the training been going? Uh, it's been going really well. I'm actually feeling like pretty beat up today. Like full disclosure, I uh, barely got out of bed <laughs> the entire day yesterday because uh, on Tuesday I hit a. It was a 795-pound squat uh, no big with, deal. 160, with 160 pounds of chain uh, at the top, and the chain had only one link 
uh, on the ground after picking it in the mono. So at the top, it was 955 pounds or close to it. Uh, and that sort of fucked my uh, central nervous system up a little bit. Like I felt like I was drunk and hungover and like all kinds of bad all day yesterday. But I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling all right. I got a got a solid eight hours of sleep, but I'm feeling good. Well, yeah, I saw that video yesterday, and it was so damn impressive. And I'm impressed with most of your lifts. Actually, all of your lifts. I'm, I'm impressed with them, but I said on the show many times that you're one of my favorite people in powerlifting, not only because of your lifting, but also kind of the way you just go about powerlifting. Passionate. You help people out. You really don't need to be forced to help people out. You just do it. But um, it, it is it is good to see you make some progress in training. Any uh, meets coming up? Uh, I'm actually doing boss of bosses in about four and a half weeks now. Okay. We will see what happens because I've my squat's been feeling great. Uh, I tweaked my adductor a couple of weeks back, but after that, like just doing some aggressive rehab and stuff. And I have I have uh, multiple friends who are chiropractors and physical therapists that are always always willing to help me out. Um, it's feeling really good. Uh, bench has been feeling really really strong. And deadlift has been feeling great, you know. Like normally, the biggest issue with that is uh, my grip strength, but I haven't really had a grip problem on any set mm-hmm. recently, so uh, I've been doing well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, excited to see that. Any uh, projected numbers? Any goals? I I don't know. Um, I li- like I don't really like to. I don't really like to throw that like actual specifics out there, mm-hmm. but I did hit a 955 pound squat and that was pretty cool. Um, my best competition bench is 540, uh, and my best competition deadlift deadlift is 749, and I'm shooting for PRs on all of them, you know. And and a 2200 pound total sounds really fucking cool at some point. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and. Excited to see you compete. Love seeing you compete. Love seeing you lift. So, how did you get your start in either fitness or powerlifting? Give uh, the two white lights listeners like an origin story of Joe Sullivan. Okay. Um. So I've 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 told this story a couple of different times, but it's it's always fun to look back because it really feels like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. I, when I when I was a kid, I had some uh, we like my my family had some like financial trouble and i basically long story short i ended up living with my grandparents for uh a and basically a couple of years and my nana uh it was my nana and papa and my nana uh was a first gen like she came like right off the boat uh from poland uh her name was gertrude orzhashevsky uh lived through the great great depression uh and basically just wanted me to be big and strong. But the, the, uh, the failure there was she didn't really realize that to be big and strong, you actually had to get up and do stuff mm. occasionally. So I, my favorite thing to do when I was a young kid, and I'm talking like 10 to, uh, 10 to 14 years old was stuff my face, eat an entire box of El Monterey taquitos. Uh, that she would make for me, drink a couple of glasses of whole milk, uh, and play PlayStation 2 and RuneScape. Okay. So that, I was basically on a dreamer vault, 
but wasn't actually doing anything. So, uh, upon entering high school, I was 282 pounds at 14 years old. Uh, I, what we did alpha testing, which was to test like your uh, body fat content in Michigan for wrestling. Uh, my, the skinfold calipers put me at 38% body fat. Uh, so I was a hefty, hefty kid, mm-hmm. uh, with not a lot of muscle. So I basically started watching what I was eating at 14. Uh, there was a powerlifting club at my high school, which was all single ply. And the head coach of the wrestling team was the head coach of the powerlifting team. So if we did powerlifting on top of wrestling, he would give us free programming. Okay. And basically just write, just write our workouts for me. So the natural thing to do was to do that. And I started lifting weights. I started off in single fly in the 275-pound weight class. And in high school, I would lift for like six months and then stop for six months and just play Xbox Live during the summer, like Modern Warfare, all, all the COD games and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would basically lose focus, but then... As I grew up and as I got better at wrestling, I lost weight. I was starting to feel a little bit better about myself. Um, I Ultimately, I got down to 168 pounds, so that's over 100 pounds in weight loss. Uh, and then upon graduating high school, I was going to wrestle at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, but I was really just burnt out on team sports but I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Uh, so I just continued to lift weights and I was like, well, I'm really skinny now because I lost over a hundred pounds. I thought I would be like jacked as fuck right now. Get but that's, yeah. It's not how it works. I just looked like a bean bowl basically. So I got to college and we had an unlimited dining plan and I was like, well, I like this powerlifting thing. I've been, been doing it for a while. Uh, seems to be like raw powerlifting is kind of a big deal now. I was watching, uh, Ben Rice and Johnny Candido and, uh, like Dan Green and all those guys come up like mm-hmm. 2011, 2012. And I'm like, I'm just going to start, I'm going to start doing this. And I started eating like I was, uh, training. I, I perused the forums on bodybuilding.com incessantly, uh, tried to, Tried to learn as much as I could in sort of backwards ways, but bodybuilding.com forms is a starting point for most people you see in powerlifting now and bodybuilding for that matter. Some of the worst information and some of the most mediocre information is going to be on those forms. Oh, the good old days. Dude, there were some gems. I, I, there was nostalgia trip for sure is bodybuilding.com forms. Yeah. I still think about, uh, Mad Cow's 5x5. Five five. That's what I ran. That's what I ran. 531. 531 was the one I saw on bodybuilding.com. Yeah, no, it was great. But, uh, but yeah, and basically I just started getting more serious into it, uh, as I was in college and I started signing up for competitions mm-hmm. and I just never stopped, you know, and I'm, now I'm at where I'm at. Yeah, and I, I mean, European grandmas, like, that was one thing in your story that I understood, because my Italian grandma would just feed me a bunch of food and then wonder why I was fat. She was mm-hmm. like, oh, why are you so fat? Here's the most fatty pasta in the history of the world. I'm like, alright, well, that was made with 100% 
peas and ricotta peas and and it's like just okay i'm gonna cook everything that i cook with like three sticks of butter mm-hmm. but it's like oh you're getting a spare tire there like what's going on <laughs> yeah and then yeah the eggs were made with like olive oil already so like you would just grease the pan with olive oil man i had like i felt like i had heartburn when i was 13 years old when my grandma would cook for me. It was it was getting rough. But um so you've been competing for a long time. Um 11 12 years? 11 years. Yep. Okay. So this is one thing I'm always curious about with elite level lifters too. How has your mentality changed from being that beginner power lifter to now? Well, think about the time frame in which that you are asking someone that mm-hmm. that's like asking an a current adult well, looking back on your adolescence, yeah. uh, how have you changed as an individual? Like, I, that's why I said it feels like a lifetime ago because I started when I was 13, 14. I'm 26 now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've lived a lot of life in the meantime. Uh, and I've changed quite a bit because when I was, when I was that young, I was terrified. I, like, I was, I still have like a degree of social anxiety. Um, but, Back then, I would literally start shaking if, like, I was in a high-stress situation. Uh, I would, they, I'd shut down, you know? Like, I was just, I was honestly just terrified of most everything, any type of conflict, any type of, any type of interaction that would leave me vulnerable. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was, like, a senior in high school. I barely talked to girls until I was a senior in high school. You have me get there. Hmm? It was, you had me beat there. It was after senior high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, when I started growing out my hair, that's that's pretty much why. Yeah, yeah, that's where you derive your power. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you know, it was. I was. I started off very, very timid, very uh, just unsure of everything that I was doing and everything, everything about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas, if you looked at me now. I am the most certain I have been about myself and who I am and what I'm doing and what my purpose is and what I stand for right at this current moment. So yeah. it's it's truly as if it's a lifetime ago. Yeah. You know? I I believe right now I could hold all time world records. Mm-hmm. Uh I could change lives. I could do whatever it is that I set my mind to. I talk about belief a lot. Like I, I view my success as an inevitability, not as something that is potentially going to happen. I believe it, it is going to happen. I just am not sure when. Yeah. But if if you looked at me back then, I I didn't know anything, anything about what I was, who I was, and that's probably why I. Uh, I, I attempted suicide when I was 17 because I just, I, I had no idea what I was, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't know why I was here and that scared the shit out of me. So, yeah. And I, I always enjoy lifters telling pe- just viewers, a uh, wide audience of people where they started from, because I've noticed a, the same change with me. when I started powerlifting till now, and I've, I've only been in the sport for three years, but I just remember the change in mentality of when I first started just hoping, praying that I got a plastic trophy. I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted to be third in the competition. Then I remember when I did well, it was the greatest feeling in the world 
for like seriously two or three months i was really happy and then as i got into sport just that satisfaction kept on going down and down and down because my expectations got higher and higher and higher has that happened to you too where your expectations are so high that the satisfaction isn't exactly there i wouldn't say that the satisfaction isn't there i would say the satisfaction has transformed a bit Mm -hmm. it's not completely lacking like if i go into a competition and it's like a relatively local meet or a, a push-pull charity meet or something, I still want to do the most, mm-hmm. like, just because that's how I am. I, I want to win. But uh, at the same time, I could, if I end up going, like, four for nine on the day and still winning, it's like, well, what the hell kind of victory is that? That's kind of shitty, <laughs> you know? And I, uh, when I first started, I want, I didn't know I wanted to be, like, the strongest person in the world. I didn't know that I would end up where I am. I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be strong. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be better than what I was because I hated where I was so much. So it's just sort of, it's sort of transformed. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a bad thing or, but I wouldn't say it's a good thing mm-hmm. either because there are a lot of moments where I look at how I'm reacting to a situation and I think about how I need to work on being like more present and being okay with the success that I have in that moment, even if it fell short of what I truly wanted or truly believed for myself. Like I, I look at my lifetime goals and I'm like a 2,300 pound total sounds pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. You know, at whatever weight class, like fuck, I don't care. But any type of PR, that's still a good day. Mm-hmm. That's no reason to complain, you know? Yeah. There, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with taking smaller steps and being okay with those smaller achievements because those small achievements strung together, that's how you reach the long-term achievements. That's how you reach the lifetime goals. Yeah, and a lot of the listeners of our show and people who do ask questions are in that beginner to intermediate stage where they kind of had the same thought process and when they're like bummed out of a meet or something, even if they PR, but they're kind of bummed out and they tell us about it or they tell me about it. I'm like, this is good that you're kind of bummed out about it because that means you realize something's important and you realize you could do something a little bit better. And that's, uh, it means- what's up? Go, go on, go on. Yeah. And that, that mentality is good. It's like, People would qualify that that like competitive streak as being unhealthy. Like sometimes unhealthy behavior leads to some good things. I mean, it's a, it's an addiction, but at the same time, addictions can be good depending how you filter it. And that's what I like seeing with certain people now. And then I always enjoy seeing the trajectory. Or um, a great powerlifter tell me about the trajectory of the sp- in the sport that they had because of that. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Just like you said, it's. It is an addiction, that level of competition, that level of desire to uh, be better, mm-hmm. to become something more than what you think you are. That is another addiction. Like, I will tell people I have a very addictive personality. There's a reason I don't do drugs or, or I don't uh, drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, I will, if, I, if I social occasion, like, and I'm talking once every couple of months, like probably like three times a year, I'll have a beer. I'll okay. have I'll have a whiskey and ginger ale. Something like that. Like out to nice dinner, birthday, funeral, whatever. 
I'll do something like that. But anything more than that, and I run the risk of just chasing it. You know, like it's I I I have identified that about myself. I have an extremely addictive personality, and I don't I like when I when I've I've had surgeries because of injuries I've sustained in powerlifting. Like I try to take as little of the pain medication as I can, mm-hmm. just because I I know that that's how my brain is wired. I I I seek out that elevated feeling, whatever whatever it might be, and it's just if you can discover an activity that is beneficial like lifting uh hitting prs coaching seeing your clients hit prs if you can seek if you can seek out those uh fundamentally good activities that give you that same type of elevation that same type of high or whatever you want to call it that's what you should transform that addiction into mm-hmm. as opposed to something that just is a fleeting high, a fleeting elevation like a substance or a person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would argue that a lot of powerlifters have addictive personalities, and especially the high-level ones, because it takes an, a, that type of personality to reach a high level in the sport, and I think that we never get rid of an addiction. I think that's bullshit, where it's like, oh, like say, say if I'm on my phone constantly, which I am, but say if I'm on my phone constantly... It's like you never get rid of that addiction. You just find something else to filter out that addiction. You get addicted to something else. Because, I mean, at a point, like, addicted to video games or something or something that could not be as useful, it's just you filter that in with lifting or reading a book or something. Or uh, a lot of people get into instruments. Uh, a lot of powerlifters that come on here uh, have talked about just different hobbies they had to pick up because either they got hurt and they had to filter out that addiction somehow. Yeah, yeah, and that's... I, I definitely agree with you there in the sense that you never really get rid of an addiction. Like, if 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 you, if you are an alcoholic, you are always going to be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You can just control that alcoholism. You can transform it into something else, and you can, like, not need alcohol. But if, if you're an anorexic, you're always going to be a recovering anorexic, mm-hmm. even if you're removed like 30 years from it Mm -hmm. it's still a thing it's still something there so like i still for instance i i still uh struggle with like i mean i'm very vocal about uh my struggling with like mental health and depression and anxiety and whatnot like i i'm still that kid that's terrified to talk to girls to talk to like people that i think are pretty Mm -hmm. or are better or whatever i'm still fucking horrified i I I feel that like that in, inner feeling of just like why are you even doing this? Mm-hmm. Like how how dare you think that you are on the same level as that person? Like go home, go home and cry and just like hate yourself. Like you have no business even doing anything that you're doing. But the difference between then and now is that I find a way to manage it. I find a way to basically stand up to that feeling, stand up to the feel. Cause like I, I, I was 247 pounds this morning and I'm like, holy shit, I feel fat. Like fuck, you know? And I, I hate that I'm that heavy. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody, I'm like, don't, don't give a shit about what the number is on the scale. Give a shit about body composition and like your performance and whatnot. But 
I still have to get away from it sometimes because I, I see that number and it freaks me out. It's, mm-hmm. it's going, I don't want to say battle, but it's like an ongoing just flow with your addiction, with mm-hmm. your struggle, who you are. It's always going to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think I said on the show before, powerlifters and a lot of people in the fitness community have that level of insecurity already kind of built into them, and that insecurity kind of propels them into really high-level, great things in the sport that they're in. So when people – like, because I'm not – I'm going to be totally honest. If people come with me with personal problems, I'm not great with giving them advice. Because I'm just not that kind of, like, personality where I could give them sound advice. Because I get nervous. I'm fuck, what if I give them the wrong advice? And they're coming into me with serious problems right now. So, but, like, this is kind of where I get at. Because I see a lot of the same people. And I'm interacting with a lot of the same people in powerlifting. Is it's just, like, always from a level of insecurity and social anxiety. I'm like, don't worry. This could actually be a good thing for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I would do a Tyrion Lannister quote. But I don't want to fucking give the listeners that nerd out on them. But, uh, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Bro, I just, I just got done talking about how I, how I played RuneScape. Like, I was level 106 and had a 99 strength cape and uh 99 cooking cape. Like, I was, I was all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, Jesus. I'm not, I'm, I'm your age. I'm 25. Or 26. I'm 26. I just oh, lied yeah. about my age on air, and I just feel stupid well, about that. <laughs> I forget that I very recently turned 26, so yeah. I just... I'm, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> it's been six months. Yeah, well, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, is, is that like a fantasy game? Yeah, it, it okay. was like a free, It was like, it was World of Warcraft for poor kids, because it was free. <laughs> oh, okay. So kind of like, so, for, so like for, how Fortnite's free? Yeah, okay. yeah, and it, it was like there was a free-to-play version and a pay-to-play version. You, the free-to-play, like, you basically got, like, one quarter of the world, and if you paid, it would open up everything else, and you could get, like, different items and shit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just, I, I I grinded on that, like, crazy. Like, I would go to school, get home, and then from, like, 3 o'clock until 11 o'clock, I would play RuneScape. I remember my brother making fun of me in the weirdest way, like the opposite, because I always said that I'm a gamer and I play games, and he's like, you're not a fucking gamer, dude. It's like, what do you mean? I play video games. Like, you play bullshit video games like Madden and FIFA. It's like, that's not, that's not video games. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, man. He's like, and you only play for like an hour at a time because you suck at them. I'm like, alright, shit, dude. I'm like, I'll just leave. I just got bullied out of video games. How did that happen? <laughs> Looking awesome. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, there's some, there's weird infighting between, like, different types of players, like PC guys versus console guys, Mm -hmm. and then, like, shooter guys versus, like, fantasy guys. And it's like, it's, think, think about it. Think about how ridiculous that is. Cause it's like, it's like in powerlifting. It's like, well, I walk my squats out. I use a monolift. And I'm like, it's all lifting with. We're playing video games. I don't need to calm the fuck down because nobody gives a fuck except for you. I was I was just talking about this yesterday with like little gym beefs that go on because like occasionally you get people talking shit about other people's gyms within the state, within the region. But I'm like, yeah. at the end of the day, we're lifting up a weight. 
Like, we're not even going head-to-head, really. Like, ever in the sport. It's not even a head-to-head competition. It's not like football, where there's a receiver and a cornerback. In baseball, there's a pitcher and a batter. We're never even doing that, and we're just arguing and squabbling over the funniest shit. Um, And I'm guilty of it, too. But it's... Yeah. And, yeah, I always say, when people have the opportunity to bully, they bully. Like, yeah. as video gamers, uh, you would not, or gamers, you would not expect them to bully people because, like, the cliche is the nerdy guy who plays video games and they get bullied. But then if you talk to them, they will crash you for the video games you choose. And it goes a lot for, I mean, I'm a short guy. We're both pretty short dudes. I remember, like, I was out at a bar and I saw a guy who was, like, 5'4", 200 shorter than me. I'm like, for a second there, I just understood the feeling. I felt that I was above that person. Yeah, like and my entire know. life, I was made fun of for being <laughs> short. Yeah. Just like, fuck that guy for no particular reason. Or, or I, just, I just felt superior. I'm like, oh, I understand why people bullied me my entire life. Because they see me, and I'm 5'6", you're like 6 foot. So I'm only 2 inches taller than this guy. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah people are... That's the thing. It's, it's that feeling of superior. It's superiority. Like, people... People don't like to realize, don't like to realize it, and don't like to look at it mm-hmm. because it makes people uncomfortable. But like humans want power. Yeah, we want some sort of dominion over something else. It's in the fucking Bible. Yep. It's like uh, God created man and gave him dominion over everything in nature. Yes, and it's like fucking and I'm not not throwing Bible quotes everywhere, but it's like. We, there's a fucking reason that man wants dominion over shit, because we like power. I don't want to say we get off on it, but we fucking damn close get off on it. Hell yeah, that's it's, what, yeah, I say that a lot, because I'm, I'm really into history, and, like, I, I teach it really for a living, but, like, in all of throughout human history, people in power want to stay in power. Yep. And they want to continue to exert their power. It happens, and it happens to the best of us. It happens to the worst of us, but it happens to the best of us, too. But, yep. um, actually speaking of that, uh, what is, in your opinion, the most stupid debate or squandering going on in powerlifting? Well, they're all pretty dumb. Yeah, um, but, like, if you were going to rank one, like, power rankings. I, it's not even arg- an argument. This is just something that I saw, uh, earlier the last week. Mm-hmm. And I really want, I, like, I spent three minutes yelling at my camera. And then, like, figured out how to, or tried to figure out how to upload shit to Instagram TV. Uh, but then I couldn't do it, and I got frustrated, so I deleted the video, and I was like, fuck all this. But. (laughs) Alright. Uh, but, but it's this stupid circle jerk that's going on. Like, when did it become, uh, worthy of applause to say, oh, that was high in training? Like, oh, that squat was high. Okay. Because and I'm talking about Garrett. Okay. Friend of the show. Friend, big friend of the show. Yeah, I love, I love Garrett, mm-hmm. but he's kind of fucking stupid sometimes <laughs> because he's he's po- he posts his squat and everybody is like and everybody's like oh this is a great squat like fucking smoke show and then he's just commenting back to everybody he's like it was high it was high it was high and like I get it I get it hold yourself to a high standard. But no at the same intended. time, yeah, yeah, LOL. But um, at the same time, it's just like 
in that instance, then I saw like fucking Tom Callis dudes, uh, who like whoever, whoever makes these fake accounts that just like talk shit on everybody. I'm like, you get, y'all need to, everybody just needs to get a fucking life and go do something else mm-hmm. and go read a book or something like God. Um, but then I see people being like, oh, Garrett's a piece of shit. He squats fucking high, rah, 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 and all this shit. And then I just, it's, it's this giant fucking stupid thing because I squat high in training. All the time, all the, the time. The best if, squatters in the world probably cut. They they don't go ass to grass. I can say that right now. Yeah, they don't bury yeah, their squats because there's no need to. And if they squat, did, they probably wouldn't be the best squatter in the world. Exactly, and it's just like I I squat high in training every fucking squat day. If I don't squat high in training, there there's an issue because yeah. then I'm fucked up for the next week my hips are jacked up mm-hmm. and my just everything feels like dog shit like i bear i buried that squat on tuesday and i felt like fucking ass all day because it was so goddamn heavy it just pushed me fucking deeper uh-huh. you know and like it's just like i saw that and it just pissed me it didn't piss me off it just fucking it made me just get so confused and worked up because it's like Training doesn't matter. I started powerlifting, started competing before Instagram existed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's. I mean, why even do it? If Instagram it, didn't exist, why do people even powerlift? Exactly, but I can tell you that there are people out there that would not be doing this sport if they couldn't upload their training, if they couldn't, if they didn't have an audience yep. to 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 speak to. Mm-hmm. They would not be in this sport, and it fucking blows my mind. Because like I I love Garrett I know he's gonna do great at the tribute, um it's just fucking crazy because like I and I, it's not me talking shit about Garrett it's just the entire it's the entire situation it just blows my mind because like everybody gets hung up on these things that do not matter uh-huh. what matters is the competition you are competing in a sport you're not running in football you're not running uh full contact games every day yep you fucking die mm-hmm. you know you're doing half speed you're doing drills you're doing ju- ju- your technique work that's what training is so you don't need to bury it every time mm-hmm. and then it's the same thing because like tom tom callis i've I, i've met him once and had a pleasant interaction with him i think his squats were high at the meet that he did yeah. But now he's he's like burying shit in training, but it's just like it. Do, I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Matt Matt Mitchell, like he'll bear bury shit in training, but the meat that was like the that was the most dog shit squat I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and it fucking knocked my name down a fuck uh, down a couple of notches on the all time list. Yeah. So it's. It, it doesn't matter what you do in training. I could bury all my shit in training, but then if I go to a meet and they're calling like high, if if they're being lax on judging and I intentionally cut it, doesn't fucking matter what you did in training six months because guess what? That is the fucking squat yep. that counts. That's what matters. So I'm just, I just got I got so irritated at the whole thing because yeah. like it, we all get into these fucking arguments. And then everybody's like tagging one another and creating different Instagram accounts just because like somebody blocks somebody else and then they mm-hmm. create a fake account just so they can. It's like I'm watching his stories that he's talking shit about me. And at the end of the day, 
Nobody gives a fuck <laughs> for you. Nobody gives a fuck for you. And it's like you give power to what you give power to. Mm-hmm. You allow what you allow. They're like, fucking, hey, there's a reason. Goddamn, we could fucking touch on everything because I'm going now. Yeah, you're, you're but, on it, man. I'm going to let you ride. Abusive relationships, motherfucker. Yeah. Little Larry and Jalasa thing. Everybody's like, "Why didn't she fucking leave? Why didn't she fucking leave?" And it's because you allow what you allow, mm-hmm. and he was fucking terrified. Yep. Okay, that's how abusive relationships fucking work. Yep. You don't. You don't just like. I, like, goddamn. I've been in relationships where I got punched in the fucking head. Mm-hmm. I got pushed in the fucking shower and banged my head on the fucking wall. It's not as easy as being like, "Oh, I'm just gonna leave." Yeah, it's like well, that's one and done. Well, because you love the person, you can't. You a single action does not damn any individual. Yeah, like ah, oh, God, fuck, and like that's and that's the thing. Like that's you allow what you allow. So like these people and and everybody's making these rebuttal videos and going back and forth and tagging yeah. one another, and it's like you are feeding into this. That's why I ended up deleting that fucking video because I'm just like. I'm not playing this game. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm my my goal, and I told him this six months ago, is to fucking swap more than Matt and knock his name down on that list, mm-hmm. and yeah. and 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 bury it and yeah. just smoke it the way I squat because I've ne- never been called for depth in okay. competition. I always get two two out of three white lights because my right hip is always lower than my left. Two and white I'm lights like, is all you need. Exactly. This is so, not a plug. Two white lights is yeah. all you need. But goddamn. Like, it's just everybody, everybody thinks that they are way more important than they actually are. Yeah. And they think that so many more people care than who actually does. And it's just like, it blows my fucking mind sometimes. Yeah, and I want to let the listeners know that we did not give Joe a script for this. Because you touched on seriously what our listeners want to talk about. Squat death. And Larry Wheels, because whenever there's a high squat, whenever Larry Wheels does something, I will get three or four DMs like, oh, what do you think about this squat? Are you going to talk about it on Two White Lights? And I actually told Garrett, I'm like, if someone asks about a squat, we're going to call you for a segment, and you're going to give your opinion on the squat, because I'm just going to say it was high and then kind of move on with my life. But And, and same thing with Larry Wheels, because I, you saw the shit storm, and we... It's it's even more frustrating when you have a podcast and you kind of like back yourself into a corner where we we cover powerlifting, we cover events that happen in powerlifting, good and bad, and where we are kind of forced to talk about the Larry Wheel situation. And occasionally we just don't want to talk about it because I am not a lawyer and I don't want to say anything really stupid and get myself in trouble. Like in both cases for uh for his ex girlfriend or for him, so we always have to give our opinions on it. And like, and, and, but to get to your main point, because I, because I, I'm friends with Garrett too. He's on the show. I really like the guy, but um, I think because he makes those videos calling out people for squat depth, he feels it's necessary to make sure that he knows that a squat's high because he knows a shitstorm's about to come in from just a bunch of people. But at the end of the day, you could just try to ignore it. But in in the long run, people care. They can say they don't care all they want. 
They totally fucking care. You mentioned Tom Callis. He said he didn't care about Garrett talking shit about his squat. He made a fucking video saying he didn't care about his squat. You definitely care when you make a video about it. It's okay to care, dude. It's okay. Just admit it. It's okay that you care. Same thing with Garrett. It's like, I don't give a shit what people says. I call out my high squats. Like, well, you, you, you do care. You care a little bit. You're, you're responding to it. You care. But that's a good debate too. And I got into a recent one where I was getting angry with frustrated strength coach. Mm-hmm. about walking out and not walking out. Mm-hmm. That was the debate where I was getting angry and, and I'm like, why the fuck am I getting mad? We're talking about two steps here. Two fucking yeah. steps. Or three it's- if you suck. <laughs> or three if you're not that good at it. <laughs> like two yeah. steps. And I walk out. That was, that was the funny thing. I walk out in competition and I was on the side like you don't have to walk out in competition. It's not that necessary. But I'm like, why the hell am I, why am I getting like legitimately angry? At, at this whole situation. And there's been occasions on the show where I've gotten mad, but that was over like some political issues that was going on within the sport and beyond, but they, the listeners know what I'm talking about when I refer to that. But, yeah, those I'm are sure. good ones. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was an awesome rant, though. That is going to satisfy at least 97% of our listeners who love talking about high squats and Larry Wheels. Well, it's, we have a whole segment on the show called Larry Wheels Did Something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it's like, uh, it's just like you said, you said this earlier. So I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to it all. Like you talked about how like power lifters tend to have, and, and this is not just power lifters. I'm not just limiting it to power lifters, but like there are power lifters that have insecurity issues. Uh-huh. I have insecurity issues. We all do yep. in varying forms. That's why. It sucks if you post something that you're proud of and then people are like, Hey, that looks like dog shit. Yep. You know, that, that would suck, but yeah. it, that it's one of those things. It's up to you to maintain the integrity of what you're doing, what, whatever action it is that you're completing. And that, and, and again, it's, it's only a, like you, you said that Garrett, will say his squats are high because he knows uh, a clusterfuck or whatever is coming. Like, he knows that that, like, shitstorm is on its way. Mm-hmm. But then the only thing that I would say to that is it's only a shitstorm if you allow it to be a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. There are so many, like, I pull up the squat that I just did earlier this week, and people are like, not raw, doesn't count. Yep. The little three red, red light emojis and all that shit. And I'm like, Okay, cool. You know, yeah, whatever. You know, it's there. There were days where I get pissed off, and I'm like, wait, wait a fucking second. No, I buried this motherfucker. Like that was deep. Or I get pissed, and I'm like, but no, no. I'm like, I'm just wearing a singlet because I'm a jackass, and I lived in a singlet because I enjoy it. It's not a fucking. It's not a suit. Like and and raw with wraps is a division. Like shut up, bro. Yeah. You know, I there are days where I get pissed off like that, but. There are others where it's like, you don't, ha- it, you're never required to respond. You're never required to care any more than what, what it is that you have to. Uh-huh. And if some, if, if you know that you can, uh, have that lift and, and you are proud of that lift and you can hold it up with a level of integrity, that's what should matter. Mm-hmm. If if you know that you if if deep down you know that it is not something to be proud of, that's when you get people that just let their insecurities go. 
that's why I really believe Matt and Tom were so offended and up in arms about their squats because I think deep down they know it was a fucking gift. They know Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't have been passed. They want to be proud of it because there are some heavy fucking squats and both those guys are obscenely fucking strong. Yep. I'm not saying anything about that, but those particular lifts, they know deep down it's not something to really be proud of. Yeah. Because it shouldn't have passed. Yeah, and yeah, sp- speaking to that point, I, I it, it was strange because, and I don't know if, I mean, well, fuck it, I'm just going to share it on air, because I talked to Tom at that meet. I didn't see a squat. Um, but I talked to Tom, and, but he was pretty nonchalant at the time. Like, eh, you know, people are going to say it's high, I don't really care. And we just talked about other things. You know, we kind of went about, really, really nice dude, by the way. But then, like, four days later was the video. I'm like, dude, that was a whole different tone than when we were at the meet. Like, you were, like, he was honestly like, I don't fucking care. It's like, people are going to call it high, I pass. And I was like, that's that's a mentality to look at it. Because it's, it's yeah. and I always make sports analogies. It's like... Finding out that the umpire is giving you the outside corner, and then, or, and it's a ball, but the ump is calling it a strike the entire time. So, might as well just fucking use that to your advantage and keep on throwing it on the outside corner. You're cheating. That's cheating. <laughs> you're trying to cheat. You're trying to bend the rules, but that's how the game is being called that day. Same thing for powerlifting. If you can get away with a few, like, with an extra inch on your depth, get away with it. Yeah. You're playing a sport here. It's a competition. Don't worry about the integrity. Don't worry about, you know, the shitstorms can come from social media because none of that shit matters in the long run. Only thing that matters is numbers. And that's about it. It's what's yeah, going to happen at the end of the meet. And, and I, I would agree to a certain extent, you mm-hmm. know, because that, that's the thing. If I know, if I know that I can get away with a little bit yeah. on a squad. I will, mm-hmm. but there's there's a point of diminishing returns where it's like if I go if if I if they're letting anything go, and I and I cut it by like three inches, mm-hmm. that's just one of those things. Like I I I do agree that like at the end of the day the numbers matter, but yeah. we are in a digital age, and with the uh, level of reproduction of videos, mm-hmm. like I I couldn't be proud of it because then i would see a multitude of angles and all that shit and i'm like well okay that looked like dog shit ah yeah. fuck and then somebody posts another video and i'm like oh that really looks like dog shit it's like oh fuck because i really think that's sort of how tom must have went about it mm-hmm. because if, if he was at the meet and he fuck I've, I've done it with squats like you keep going you go you go you're descending you're going you're going you're going and you're like, this is as low as I got. I got to come up or I'm going to fucking die. Yeah. You know, you can feel like you're touching the ground, mm-hmm. but you go back and look at the video and you're like, ah, that was fucking shallow. Like, God damn. That, and it, it, it sucks. Yeah. But just go until you can't anymore. Yeah. And I really think like he must have been at the meet and feeling like that because it, it wasn't, it wasn't obscenely high, like for a trip. If that was a training squat, I would have been like, that's fucking fine. Like, whatever. Okay. Just push, push your knees out a little bit more. Yeah. But, and, and, and when I, and I, when I saw the video, I'm like, I really would like to be on the side. The front angle doesn't do people any favors. Yeah. Like, I would be yeah. on the side. And that's why I wanted to see it in person because I do like Tom and I think he's a beast, but I just yeah. wanted to see it in person. 
Because yeah, it looks high for my angle. It it does. Mm-hmm. And and then that's just, I, and that's what I really think happened. Like it's the front angle. It could go either way. Mm-hmm. But then the side angle videos got posted, and it was just like that. Yeah, it, it, like Tom, I'm sure he saw that. And he's like, ah, yeah. that does look pretty bad, and, you know. And it's just like, it just sucks because that's a whirlwind of emotion for a guy. I'm sure it is. You know, it, it's it, it definitely is, and I mean. Because, all right, so two things. When you said about even your squat, where you were wearing wraps and it was, what, a 950-pound squat at the top, which is a fucking beast squat, like, on my videos, too, I and 99% of the interactions I have is, is pretty positive. Um, but I do occasionally have, like, a 17-year-old kid being like, why do you wear that pussy uh, wrist wrap on my squat? Mm-hmm. Like, on my wrist, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking raw. Like, it's... Raw as they get, and they're making fun of me for wearing a belt, knee sleeves, and wrist wraps. Like, why do you need mm-hmm. that, all that equipment? I'm like, it's not, it doesn't help that much. And then I'm like, I was getting mad. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? Then I think to myself, like, oh, he's 17. He's, by definition, a stupid human being. Yes. yes. He's literally dumb. It's like, you can't be that smart. Even if you're a genius at 17, you're probably pretty stupid. Yes. Like, just by very nature. But... Also, um, you don't want the sport turning into a joke. So when you do say, like, if they're calling squats three inches high, there is an extent, like, you don't want, you, you don't want to make a mockery of the sport. That's, that's an embarrassment. And I talk a tough game. I say that, oh, if I could get away with it, I am. But last year, around this time, actually, my co-host can probably, uh, not here right now for this interview, but my co-host can probably tell the listeners, I was in Manchester for AWPC Worlds, had a great meet, 9 for 9, really happy about everything. After I was done celebrating, I went to go see the videos, because I didn't even look at the videos. I went to go and look at my bench, my squat, and my deadlift, and I was nitpicking the fuck out of them. Where I was like, holy shit, that bench command was quick. That was the quickest bench command of all time. I didn't know it was that quick. It was practically touch and go. And then in the hotel room, my co-host, like, Bane was like, Dude, shut the fuck up. That what that's what happened in competition. Then I was looking at my squat. I'm like, was that low enough? You think that was low enough? He's like, shut the fuck up. You went nine for nine. Take it. And it's because I think I was afraid when I post something that somebody was going to make fun of it or say this federation's joke. And it happened with my bench command. But it's like, well, I agree that it was kind of quick. But what am I going to do? Not press it. Like, it, it has to happen, but yeah, I talk a tough game, but I will quickly nitpick my own shit because I'm afraid of the backlash that will happen. So, yeah, I'm a phony, I guess. Yeah, I, well, fuck it. You know, we all are. It's just varying levels of uh, varying levels of artifice that we live in. Yes, absolutely. So, I and I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're extremely passionate about the sport. I love the passion that you show towards the sport. What would say is your top priority now? Because you coach for a living, correct? That's how you're earning your main source of income. Yep. Uh, currently, uh, I am. I am trying to get hired by the Columbus Fire Department because okay. I want to do that. But like right now, I am just making a living off of coaching and seminars and like a couple. I have a couple of personal tra- like in person clients, but we meet sporadically. So. Mm-hmm. So, yep. what would be your top priority now, as a powerlifter, as a coach or a competitor? 
Um, well, it's probably going to be the worst answer I could give, but it's both, you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not done competing. Okay. Uh, I'm, well, okay, actually, no, I'm like working it out in my head as I say this, because I'm not done competing. I still have goals mm-hmm. that I want to do, and I'm, realistically, I'm probably going to compete for forever, even if it just results in me being like a single fly bench only guy at a meet being like 60 years old like that's just how i that i there is no after powerlifting for me okay but but i would say the biggest priority because saying that it just made me think about a post that uh dave Tate shared the other day about people people not remembering what your biggest squat is because like think about the conversation that we just had yeah like i it was 955 at the top but you you just said like oh like 950 you know yeah. because it's it's an approximation yeah. that really doesn't matter mm-hmm. those numbers really don't matter the the numbers need to be there because it shows the experience and it shows uh, the level of passion and dedication and whatever that you need to be successful in this but those numbers really don't need to be there mm-hmm. what needs to be there and what will be remembered is how you interact with individuals yeah. and what you leave behind and basically how you can positively impact anyone that you come across. And that's, that's, that's the pass on portion of live, learn and pass on. So I would say, I would say my biggest, my biggest goal is to pass on as effectively as I can because Dave made that post. And then there were a couple of comments that tagged me and were like, like Joe is the, uh, Joe is the epitome of this. Like I messaged him, uh, five weeks out from my meet because my coach dropped me because like some ridiculous thing and he bit, he wrote me uh, uh, like the last five weeks of training for mm-hmm. free. Like, Joe just gave me some information like Joe encouraged me to go to therapy like and I always thought it was uh, it was never something that I was going to do because it was I'm a man and like I didn't want to I didn't want to do that and it was just something that I had never considered. Mm-hmm. But he, him posting about it made me to go and it's been a positive change in my life. And that's, that's more rewarding than any lift that I can do because just like we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, it's that, that level of elevation, uh, that, that high mm-hmm. are differing amounts of fleeting, like a drug, a drink, sex, whatever. That's, that's a fleeting high. That's there for a short period of time. The lifting and the training and the getting that stuff done, that's a much more permanent high. It's a much more ongoing thing, but it's still fleeting. Mm-hmm. You can tear a bicep. You can tear a quad. You can uh, get into a car accident. You can whatever, and that training can go away, and then you won't be able to have that. But your interactions with other people – the passing on, the making other people better, the showing people that it is okay to care, mm-hmm. that it's okay to be passionate, it's okay to give a fuck about stuff. That is the most permanent high that you can have short of doing the same thing but with your own children. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so, so definitely I would say the coaching aspect is the more important part because that's that's really what I feel my purpose is. Uh, I, I feel as though like you're you're a history teacher. 
mm-hmm. I I feel as though I am a teacher in some some imagination of the word, whether that is teaching people how to lift weights better, how to think about their own existence better, to treat each other better. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. So that, that's what I would say is the most important part. Yeah, and I I do agree that you are the epitome of that because I I don't even know if you remember, but that's when I first met you at Brickhouse and we, you know, interacted for the first time, I was like, this dude, one, is open to help, gives really good advice, really quick sound advice, too, and I know you're strong as fuck and I know you're an elite-level lifter, but I've known a lot of elite-level lifters who I just wouldn't really interact with. I don't, I don't, like, they're kind of my friends, they're kind of my, they're kind of not my friends, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't really interact with them, because it's not exactly, they don't have either the best attitude, or they're just, they're just, they're kind of just lifting weights. That's it, they only really care about themselves, which is fine, you know, if you want to just lift weights and be a competitor, that's perfectly fine. Um, it, it works a lot, it works really well for some people, but to an extent, it could get, like, a little dangerous when people are too egotistical, and don't really give back to the sport. And that's, I mean, that's the reason why, like, when I first started the show and started getting interviews, Joe Sullivan was at one of the top of the list. Probably the top. And I'm not just saying that because I'm looking at you through a webcam right now. Probably at the top because I had one interaction. I really, like, this guy's cool. This guy's cool, friendly, gives good advice, and he knows what he's talking about. So... Yeah, I agree with that. So, and then I, I was going to ask this question, but you kind of already answered it. So, legacy, legacy talk. And you're 26 years old, so we should probably not even talk about legacy. But um, w- would that be your legacy in the sport, just giving people or changing people's lives, not necessarily through the number, but through the advice? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, it's – I um, – I have made it a point to surround myself with uh, very good people, uh, people that I want to be like. I want to be as smart as my peers. I want to care as much as my peers. I want to be as successful as my peers. Mm-hmm. And I am doing my best to be that because I, you look at you look at my my two main sponsors, um, Elite FTS in London, Ohio, and Kabuki Strength in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. The, the both owners of those company have, of those companies have worked have worked with one another and stand for very similar things. Dave Tate, his motto is "Live, Learn, Pass On." That is literally tattooed on my body mm-hmm. for the rest of my life um, because I believe in it so fully. A huge amount of uh, elites' income goes to the Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, they work with. Uh, some special needs uh, schools in the area. Uh, they do an incredible amount of free work, uh, putting out articles, free ebooks, books, seminars, videos, whatever, all of that. That is what I believe I am here for. That's what I want to be remembered for is the help I give to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with Kabuki. They uh, are part of a uh, home builders association in Portland, Oregon. There is a very there's a large uh, amount of homelessness going on on the Pacific in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, they do a huge amount of 
uh, contribution to uh, a home building association. I can't remember the name of it. They also do an incredible amount of contribution to the education level, uh, which goes back to what I talked about being a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, because they have the seminar series. They have the Kabuki Movement System, which is an entire uh, movement certification course. Uh, they are huge on education and contribution, and that is, again, what I want to be remembered for. It is just like... Just like Mr. Rogers said, he was like, look for the helpers, Mm -hmm. you know, look for the helpers and look for the teachers. There's a reason I want to be a a firefighter as well. I don't see myself as being the person that is either hiding or uh, running away when things are bad. I am the person running towards the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm the person facing it, meeting it head on. Because, and, and that goes back to, and I, I don't really want to get into like the personal life issues stuff, but you remember when I first met you at Brick House, that was not a good day for me. I do remember that. But, but even so, I still saw your lifting. I knew who you were and I wanted to help. And I still coached at a seminar for nine hours that day. Mm-hmm. I would have been well within my rights to turn around and drive home. Yeah. Before teaching on that seminar, but, or before teaching at that seminar and before helping the people that showed up there. But I chose not to because that wasn't what I would, that's not what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the bottom line. Like I believe, I believe myself to be a helper and a teacher. That's what I want to be remembered for. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and I firmly, yeah, I firmly believe you. What's that? Yeah. I was just saying competition is cool. Like I believe me, I'm not done. I wanna I wanna I wanna break some world records, but the the bottom line is being a teacher and a helper and mm-hmm. showing people that they probably could break some world records too if they wanted to. Yeah. And and I, I firmly believe you're if not there or on your way there and continuously going to grow from there because you've been incredibly helpful to just a lot of lifters um, in the sport at, you know, and at a very young age too. Uh, I know you've been lifting for 11 years, but I'm still going to put you on that. Like you still have a lot to grow too. And it's, it's exciting to see that too, that the fact that there's going to be some growth there as a teacher. And I didn't know that about elite FTS and Kabuki, how they give back to community. I had no idea. That's actually pretty awesome. But <laughs> you mentioned brick house and I told this story to a lot of people. Um, and I obviously didn't tell you this cause it would be weird. But, uh, yeah, when you came there, I was like, Holy shit, let's go solve it. So I'm like, Oh, he must be working out today. Cause he did a seminar the day before. And then I was walking, and then you're like, hey, Fortino Power, right? And I told everyone, like, in this way, I'm like, it was an ego erection. Just to be (laughs) called by your Instagram handle, by Joe Sullivan. I turned around and like, alright, don't fucking blush or freak out or anything like an idiot. Just say hi like a normal person. And you're like, I am Joe. I'm like, oh, I know you are. I'm like, oh, I already ruined it. Good, good, Angela. Good, good job, dude. But I remember, yeah, telling everyone, I'm like, it was an ego boner that I got immediately. <laughs> I'm like, it's such a social media or like such a funny, like, 
Okay, all, all you just said is fourth. You didn't even call me my name. You had to ask me my name. Dude, like, Wait, I, what's I, your what's your name? I'm like Angela. I yeah, I didn't know your name. I was just like fourteen uh, zero power. Like, <laughs> and I'm glad you didn't say one hundred and forty power. No, that, yeah. like you you actually said my last name inadvertently. So that was nice. Yeah. But I, I yeah I I don't even think I told on the show, but I told most of my friends that because we we all start off like kind of as fans, you know, and yeah. we're in the age of social media. Where we do see people, we admire people, and it's mostly from afar. Because I said the same thing to Garrett when Garrett was at Brickhouse, too. I was like, oh, shit, this Garrett Fear. And, you know, we had the inter- interaction as well. But we're all fans at a point, and it was like that cheap thrill that I got when someone was like, hey, 14 power. I'm like, oh, shit. This dude, no. I'm like, I fucking saw all your videos. I saw the bar bending video. I saw the, the safety bar squad video that you did. It's like, it's awesome. But, yeah. Kind of, yeah, geeked out for a little bit. In such a hilariously nerdy way. Hey, it's I I still do it too. It's it's very funny. It's very funny when I like like I'm in the cage and then Andre Milanichev looks at me. And he's like Joe, Joe Sullivan, and I'm like, holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Why do you know who I am? Oh my god! Hey man. Yeah, that yeah, that is it is a cool feeling because we. Because, I mean, I, I, I've only started powerlifting three years ago. Then I didn't get, like, a Instagram, like, till last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Instagram thing is new kind of for me. But I – there are certain people you just kind of automatically gravitate towards that you like. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Like, people look up to Ken Griffey Jr. in baseball because he's a fucking beast. You know, mm-hmm. so – um, yeah, it happened. I just had to share that story on Two White Lights because it was funny, and I had to tell you. Because I told Garrett the first time I met him, too, and he didn't, like, understand the interaction, but then he knew. And then he, th- he thought it was kind of cool, too, because he's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, you did. Because he apparently hated me for two months. Because <laughs> he's Garrett, and I love him he's, for it. And until Garrett meets you, he just assumed, he's like, ah, oh, he's an asshole. And it's like, yeah. Uh, well, we didn't so have, like, the most pleasant first interaction, me and Garrett. Yeah. Like, I was pretty pleasant about it because I'm me and I'm not, like, too confrontational. And Garrett isn't either. He just says things that he, I don't think, realizes is confrontational. Because I remember yeah. telling him, I'm like, because uh, I said, uh, yes, sir, or something. I said, like, he's like, do you want to work in with us? I'm like, oh, yes, sir. He's like, please don't call me sir. I'm probably younger than you. I'm like, I, I call everyone sir. I'm like, I just do that. I call 50, my 15-year-old student sir. I'm like, and my 12-year-old student sir. I'm like, I, I just say sir. And then I meet his like, you're Garrett Fear, right? I saw your video. And then he's like, oh, yeah, shit. And he was really cool after that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, on to segments. Uh, we usually play these. Uh, we usually have segments for guests who come on the show. You already kind of answered one. Um, we had a show topic just on this alone. And it was like a 90-minute show. In your opinion, what is the most annoying things powerlifters say? It's not the day I wanted, or I didn't have the day I wanted. Okay. That's a common Definitely. one. That was Heather Connors as well. I I like Heather. I miss her. I wish I talked to her more. I she's she's a cool chick. She's strong as fuck. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it I didn't have the day I wanted. Fuck, I didn't have the day I wanted. I didn't win a million dollars. Like Yeah. Damn, like you're never going to have the day you want. Like, yeah. it's going to be perfect. Yeah, and I think, again, when people do that, it's mostly to get some sort of, like, reassurance from their followers to go in their uh-huh. comments and be like, dude, you're still a beast. You know, we love you. You're going to – it's like it's 
all the thumbs up, uh, like, oh, dude, it's like, you'll get, you come back stronger. This is a learning experience for you. And when people say that, I think 50% is them legitimately being upset. And then 50% of them getting the social reassurance from their followers. So, um, that's, that's probably why it pisses me off the most. Cause like, well, it's a day you deserved, I guess. It's like, it, whatever, man, you don't have to post it. But you did, mm-hmm. so you get that those comments. But yeah, that's a common one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I think I said this with Heather too. It wasn't the day I wanted, but and whenever you say something before but, that means all everything before it was bullshit. You didn't mean like the first thing. Everything after is the real thing. It's like might as well not even said it. Like this meat sucked. It was a shitty yeah. meat. Like that it's, was what you should lead with. It's the same way as saying like oh like no offense, but. Yeah, here's yeah. Some, here's something really offensive. Yeah, here's yeah, something like, you're gonna I'm, take offense to. Yeah, it's like I know you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but here I go saying it. Anyway, so. Yeah, it's like yeah, I, I I've said it's like well, he's he's a great person, he's a cool dude, but and then yeah. like here's the insult, but uh, yeah, for sure, I like that one. I made That's a meme like, about it. <laughs> yep, I make memes, and that was one I, of them. I've seen them. Yeah. Um, contrary to popular belief, I do not run subpar powerlifting memes. People think I run that page. I don't. I don't know why they thought that. But, I didn't think. I uh, I had I had zero thoughts about that actually. Oh well, yeah. I don't uh, know. People DM me is like, do you run this page? I'm like, no. I I don't understand why you would think that. I'm like, I don't know. Seems like your sense of humor. I'm like, okay. Well, I appreciate it because that guy is funny as shit. So, <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> All right. Also. We give technique tips on the show. Me and my co-host are running low on them because we have 26 episodes. So now we're asking our guests. If you could have one technique tip, one cue, what would it be for any of the three lists? Slow down and brace harder. Okay. For um, each of the lifts or is that squat? Okay. Every, every lift, both, both the eccentric and the concentric, all of it, um, I get really annoyed when I see people who they 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 they're like, oh man, well my my toes come up when I lock out my squats all the time, or like I have a hard time keeping my shoulder blades locked down uh, when I when I lock out my bench press. I always get out of position, and I'm like, eh, eh, like whatever, whatever example you could say, that can be fixed by you just slowing down. Okay, slow down. Like you don't need to move the weight at a hundred percent speed, force production, power, whatever you want to fucking say. I don't know physics, but you don't have to like slam the weight around the whole time. You don't have to use that giant amount of stretch reflex you get by descending super fast and then slamming up every single time. So many people would get so much benefit if they worked in much stricter tempo work. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their training. And I don't mean tempo work where they're controlling the first top half of the movement and then slamming into the bottom. I mean like six second eccentrics where you are controlling the entire thing. Mm -hmm. You look mechanical. You look like a machine. And then if you do that for the concentric too, what does that do? That teaches you position because your body is instantly going to want to default to failure. If you're controlling the weight, if you're, if I tell you to go six seconds, 
down six seconds up, and I put a metronome on, and it's one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. Mm-hmm. Not just one, two, three, four, five, six. If you treat it strict and you do that both down and up, you will find out where your bad position is. You will find out what position your body wants to default to, and you will find out what muscles will fatigue first instantly. Okay. And then, and then if you maintain that and train in that slow speed for a while, and I, and not, you don't have to do it for all your main work, but if you just slow some of your shit down, you're going to get stronger because it's just learning the position. It's learning composure and it's learning, uh, to basically stay tight in every position you can find yourself in. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. It's like keeping composure. There are so many people that will panic, you know, and it's like, well, I, I dumped the bar forward because I lost my air. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but you don't need air to brace you have muscles don't you and it's like well yeah and it's like why didn't you just calm down and use those and they're like oh why i can't do that and it's like why and they're like i don't know and it's like well maybe you should find out yeah i i might just rename this segment like free coaching advice because that's what pretty much it turns into is i ask i ask really good powerlifters technique tip and then like oh i'm just gonna use that for my training so yeah i like that one that one's that one made probably the most sense to me well it's everybody taught everybody says like joe your technique is so great on all lifts and i'm like it's I actually, I'm, I'm working on, I'm, I'm either going to write something about this or make a video. I don't remember, but I got into an, I didn't get into an argument. I got into a discussion with a couple of people about speed work, uh, in relation to tempo work mm-hmm. because there, I, I train with a lot of like conjugate learned people. Yeah. Um, and like multiply people and they're like, well, speed work is super important. And I'm like, I don't think speed work is important at all. Okay. I think tempo is way more important than speed work. Yeah, because have you ever seen a one rep max that moves as fast as any speed repetition ever? Yeah, that's a good point. The answer, the answer is no. Okay. But have you seen one rep maxes on most every world record that has occurred? They are relatively slow, but the thing that you will notice is every single one of those lifters that completes them successfully stays in position. Mm-hmm. How do you in position how do you make your technique more proficient you slow your shit down Mm -hmm. and you control it and you work the tempos and you work the position and you own the position um so yeah like you it's it's like uh putting a putting a top thrill dragster like putting a nascar car on a sheet of ice if you floor it you're not gonna go anywhere you you put it you may have all the force in the world you may have all the power in the world, but you're putting it into an unstable environment. Mm-hmm. That unstable environment, that sheet of ice, that is your inability to maintain position. If you floored it and use that powerful engine and develop that powerful engine, but then you floored it on asphalt, that is a stable environment, a, a receptive environment to all of that force. Mm-hmm. And then you will get an extreme output of that force in acceleration and in the car moving. Mm-hmm. That's a successful fit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Because I think a lot of people, I, I think 
a lot of powerlifters are afraid to like really think outside the box a lot because the information that's there, they want to stick with it because it's something they know and it's something that is familiar with them. But once you kind of start thinking outside the box, that's where I think you get like those higher level lifts. So I liked it and I really appreciate it. So it's been an hour. It's been over an hour. This has been a great interview. Entertaining, insightful, all the above. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. I just have to pee really bad. <laughs> well, you've been drinking a gallon of water since uh, <laughs> since we started. So thank you, Joe. Good luck in training and good luck uh, in Boss to Bosses. I'll be rooting for you. Hopefully we could have you on again sometime. Coming to Illinois anytime soon or? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, well, do I, it. I don't know. After, <laughs> I'll come out uh, to Columbus. I, yeah, come to Columbus if you want. Like that'd be fun. Um, but I want, I want, I, I've shown your deadlift to Dave Tate, and he's been like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but it looks. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I know it's weird. It's weird as fuck. But, that's that's but, good to know. Yeah, it's another but, ego but, boner. Yeah, exactly. But. <laughs> But I I might be there for Raw Nationals. I'm not sure. Okay. But I I don't know. That that would probably be the soonest. Uh, but after Boss of Bosses, I'm probably gonna like a cup like every now and again on the weekend. I'll probably drive to Indy City. Okay. Uh, to train with Garrett and uh, my buddy Reek. Wait, no. He we already had this guy. He talked to you about this. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Um, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Reed, Reed and you can carpool or whatever, and then we can all train it. Indy City, so that'd be for fun. sure. I'm yeah, I'm I'm making a, a point to get there like every month to train with Garrett yeah. and Ben. Um, both on the show, I love both of those guys, so I would love to go down there. And it's perfectly in the middle between us, Ohio, yeah, Indiana, Illinois. Perfect. Yep. So I was I like just because after Boss of Boss is like so probably like September, October or something, we can make something like that happen. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Oh yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it and. Again, thank you for coming on the show. Terrific interview. And now we got our segments. And we are back. Thank you again, Joe Sullivan, for coming on the show and providing us with an amazing interview. I learned a lot. I know you guys learned a lot. And if you didn't learn anything, at least you were entertained because I was throughout the entire interview. So, again, thank you, Joe Sullivan, for coming on the show. Now, here's two segments. Um, again, I'm flying solo today, and our episode is running pretty long enough as is. So we are going to have a bonus episode of Two White Lights throughout the week, talking and covering the tribute because it was a terrific powerlifting meet that happened over the weekend. We always love shedding the spotlight on meets because that's we're a powerlifting podcast. We love the sport. We're passionate about the sport. And we want to talk about some really great things that happened. And there was a lot of great moments from the tribute that a lot of people are talking about. A lot of things that I was watching that I was entertained and inspired by. Um, Hack had an all-time amazing GOAT performance. Uh, Mariana and CeCe Ingram, Matt Wilkes, Garrett Fear, friend of the key, had a, himself a terrific performance as well. And there was there was a lot going on at that meet. So... Great moments. We're going to have a bonus episode um, throughout the week. Also, I I posted this on my story. Wanted to give a shout-out to Carson Allen for a really good performance at USAPL uh, Regionals in St. Louis. The dude is a beast, and I, I've been admiring this guy for about five or six months now, if not more. 
and I, I was just watching him, and I was inspired because the dude is a stud, and I'm really looking forward to competing with him at Nationals, and he's an Illinois lifter, so always give those Illinois lifters um, some credit. Yeah, so a little, little bit of a Midwest bias, but an important development on Two White Lights, we are now available again on iTunes. So when we changed hosting sites, we weren't available on iTunes. We got, uh, we really just couldn't upload on iTunes because we had to figure a lot of stuff out with that. We are now available on iTunes so you guys can subscribe again. You guys can leave us a five star rating, leave a review. We lost a lot of them, um, because of the change in hosting sites, but now you can resubscribe leave another review, leave another five-star rating. And the great thing about this is that we don't have negative reviews anymore, technically, because those were all, you know, taken down and we have a new page. So uh, we are no longer misogynist, chauvinist bigots or whatever is in the vocabulary book of an armchair activist. So leave a review. Also thinking about doing a little bit of a rivalist giveaway for the people who can leave the funniest five-star review if you guys put your instagram handle in that five-star review uh, the funniest one the thing i've or at least what me and bane find the most funny we will you know ship you a rivalist care package so um yeah be sure to subscribe on uh itunes and now if you have an android you can listen now if you have an iphone you could listen we are available on both platforms so really exciting i'm really happy about that also we got a new shirt on twowhitelights.com shit was light Aubrey Hogan original. Shit was light. And while you're at it, buy a Two White Lights t-shirt as well. So uh, buy a Shit Was Light t-shirt, buy a Two White Lights t-shirt, visit the online store on twowhitelights.com, get yourself both of those. Also, next Monday, after that bonus episode, we have an interview with Austin Perkins. Perks of High Bar coming off his IPF World Championship. The dude was awesome to talk to. Uh, young lifter, but a smart lifter, uh, sheds a lot of good information. It was entertaining. It was insightful. It was great. Really, really great interview with him. And that's going to be next Monday. And that's going to do it for two white lights. Remember, we got that bonus episode. We got Austin Perkins next week. And that's all I got for you guys. Peace.